Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reignite Your Soul podcast. My name is Laura Pahuda, and I am your host of this podcast, and I have the absolute honor of having the most beautiful guest here with us today, and I am just so excited for him to be here, and with this podcast, we are all about expanding minds, opening up our hearts to an entirely new way of being. And Joel Kimmel is here with us today, and he is actually an expert when it comes to the art of being. And um, he is, um, he's wrote a book, which is incredible, an author, he is a war veteran, he is an ontological design expert, and which is actually all about the study of being about humans. Um, And he has such an incredible story. Um, I will let him kind of go into a little bit of depth into his story, but any a whole bunch of stuff within your realm of experience here with us. So our intention for this episode is to really just like have an incredibly inspiring conversation like we normally do on here and allow Joel to be able to just share all of his life wisdom with us. So I know he's on a mission right now to just be able to pass on all of his knowledge to the next level um, leaders and healers within the world and be able to pass that on. So we're really excited to just have you here, Joel. And um, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be here and to be with you and and all the people that are listening to this. Mm -hmm. It really is an exciting moment. Um, We're in such a different shift in the world. And, you know, we can be the grumps of what's happened or we can start to design a new way of being. And so part of the call today, let's talk a little bit about that because I've always been fascinated about how the words we use and uh, the order we put them in shapes the way our day is. If I get up in the morning, guess, holy smokes, another Wednesday, or get up in the morning and say, oh my gosh, it's Wednesday. It's a whole different world we're gonna live in. So we'll talk about it. Um, I um, had a, a, one of, I have a lot of stories, but the one story that sort of shifted my life was, Um, I was in Europe um, when I was in the army. I uh, had gone to Vietnam, came home and pretty much in one piece and then uh, went to, uh, well, I went to to, um, Germany to to, um, be stationed in Germany and they wanted me to run a trucking outfit. And I was helicopters in Vietnam. And I said, I'm sorry, I I don't do uh, trucks. And the commanding officer says, well, what are you going to do? This is a trucking outfit. And I said, well, I want to go to Garmisch Partenkirchen and run the Armed Forces Recreation Center ski schools and ski patrols. And he said, you know, you need my authorization to do that, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. And I said, uh, what would what can I do here that would make a difference to your life in a way that will allow you to send the orders for me to go to Garmisch? And he, and he said, well, this company's never passed the inspector general's inspection since World War II. Uh, and I said, great, give me the worst outfit you have here. And if it passes, I go. And he says, and if it doesn't, you run the trucking line and we shook on it. So then I go back, I go to my duty station where I'm supposed to do it and it's where they account for all the nuts and bolts and all the parts. And so I, I just told the guys, I said, hey, listen, you guys, I'm trying to get the garmish just if I'm going to clean up stuff, but, it, and just do, if it's, if I do get it fixed up, just follow the procedures, would you please? And they thought I was a complete fool and idiot to even get play a game and like that when I was in the army. So anyway, the only short, short story is the only thing that passed that inspector general's tour was technical supply. 
And uh, the commanding officer the next morning calls me down and goes, here's your orders to go to Garmish. He says, if you make the uh, uh, team, will you teach my family how to ski? And I said, absolutely. And so I went, we made it. And then on weekends, they let me off to ski to race. And I was uh, doing a downhill run um, and tripped and caught an outside edge and hit fell and bounced over the bales of hay and hit at the end of a log cabin with my head. And I fractured my skull, broke my neck, my back, I was paralyzed, blind, and, and dead on arrival, uh, which was interesting. I, they say, I didn't know this, but they say they um, get CPR'd me back to breathing again. And then halfway down the mountain, they saw that my heart had stopped again and they gave me CPR again. And one more time at the, at the down the mountain, they gave it to me again. And then I was going to the into the hospital and it was Sunday afternoon and all the doctors were in Austria skiing. Uh, and the best neurosurgeon from Munich, Germany came out of, walked out of the emergency room and said, get me an operating room for this person, which is a miracle. I believe in miracles as you will find here as we go on. So he goes in and they needed to put me in a heart lung machine and there was no doctor in town to do that. And the nurse said to the, to the surgeon, the neurosurgeon, she said, there's a, a heart lung specialist waiting to be operated on a Monday morning. Can he get out and come down and run the heart lung machine? So he got out and came down and heart ran the heart lung machine. And 14 hours later, they walk out and told Judy, who was a old, rare, a long, old woman of 22 years of life, that they didn't think I'd live, but at least I was alive and come back next day. And so she came back, and the one doctor that uh, was at the heart lung guy said. Well, he's much better than we thought, but we don't think he'll ever move again. He's broken pretty much everything. So anyway, the short story is I will find myself on the other side of what they call the other side. I, you know, I say it was either the best drugs I've ever had in my life or I was on the other side. And I'd like to believe I was on the other side because um, no drugs. I mean, maybe a few mushrooms might, but not as consistently. So anyway. I was on the other side with uh, the seven spirits that were sort of around me. And uh, it was like having uh, the shell answer person there. You can ask any, any questions about this plane that we live on here and how it fits together and all of that. And it was interesting because the spirit voices and it's, there's not bodies up, there's all energy force, force moving around. So they sort of appear and disappear and like that. Um, uh, but um, they, uh, I mean, I lost my, sorry, I got, I slipped over to the other side there for a second. I'll be back. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um, uh, so there were these seven spirits sitting around me and um, they would tell me everything. And the interesting thing though, uh, Laura, is they talked in contextual statements, not a to-do statement. And that they would say, you know, Joel, this piece fits over here and that piece fits over there and see how this piece fits into it all. So it wasn't like you do this, you do that, and then maybe this will happen. But all of a sudden, um, I started to discover that how they spoke let them in invent me into a world that I had no idea to being in. Mm. And so um, I, as I was looking down, eh, Looking down um, at my body, 
laying on that table, pretty much paralyzed, blind, broken neck, broken back, and couldn't see, couldn't do anything. I saw that for one thing I saw, it wasn't my body. That he actually was a, the, the awareness that rides around in my body. So it's, my, it's all of our transporters, if we can see that. And also I saw that seeing that I wasn't my body, but was dependent on my body, I could have a relationship with my body that would allow me to be in partnership with the body to heal and then invent new ways of moving together rather than being mad that it was, couldn't move. So there was this whole shift like took place. And on the seventh day, um, <laughs> one of the spirits said, hey, Joel, you need to choose to stay or go back. And I said, I'm staying. <laughs> I'm not going back. You know, and they said, no, you should go back. You have a contribution to make. And I said, well, tell me if I have a contribution to make, tell me the three things I should know that would allow me to make the contribution you see I could make. And so the first one is people were put on the earth because it's paradise and most everyone's almost everyone has forgotten it. And they said, and it's paradise every day. And then the second one is, which I live my life by and I invite you to live your life by, is everything you'll ever need is everywhere always. Which I said, I got it. And, and then they said, because if you're in paradise, you would have everything you'd ever need everywhere always. So I'm always aware of it. Um, and then the last third one that they said it was that we I should remember is uh, ask and see how it's given, not ask, ask and it is given. And so the example I use is that a guy has a food bank, is getting really, really busy, and he wants a new pickup truck to deliver more food. And next day, someone comes by and gives him three wheelbarrows. And we're all looking for the pickup truck. But what he was really asking the, the, being, the gods and for his being is to, to deliver more food so he can keep his vision of himself moving forward not the pickup truck. And I think a lot of people are stuck on the pickup truck. Mm -hmm. So anyway, those three things, uh, you were on, you know, we're on earth because it's paradise. Ask it, uh, everything you'll ever need is everywhere always. And then ask and see how it's given. And I actually think Laura, if you take a moment and look back over your life and you ask the gods or the spirit world for something that you wanted, that would allow you to make a bigger contribution to summon another person, it's almost always come true. It might look like three wheelbarrows, but what the spirit world sees is available for you. You get exactly when you need it, not before or after, but it allows you to make that contribution to each other's lives in that moment of care like that. So, um, so I come back um, and I'm, I remember coming back onto this down into the, like my spirit energy came back down and I sort of slid into my feet and then my, my spirit, my spirit melted back into my body. And all of a sudden, here I am, I wake up, I sort of come to uh, in my body now. And I said to the spirits, I said, well, you guys got a real sense of humor up there. <laughs> so here I am, I can't move, I can't see, I can barely talk. Uh, and there's Judy sitting next to me, holding my hand. And uh, the doctors come in and they check me and they said, uh, very good, but, oops, sorry, my daughter is, call is 
calling. That's okay. The phone you hear is my daughter calling from San Francisco. Um, so let's see. If I meant turn off my no, I can't turn off my phone. Excuse me for the, all this interruption. Let's we'll get a little bit of a, a little bit of a jingle. It's all good. <laughs> little, little life, little life here. So anyway, um, uh, Judy, the doctor came in and said he's alive, but he may probably will never walk again. But at least he's going to make it. And so Judy, um, I said to Jude's, I said, you know, Judy, if I'm going to be a paraplegic or quadriplegic, we should get divorced. I'm not, I don't want to drag you through this life with me. Here's your start. One second. I'm, I apologize for this. That's okay. No worries. All right. Life goes on. <laughs> I, I, so, uh, so Judy said, after I said we I've, we should get divorced, she said, Joel, why don't we have that conversation about it when we need to? And I said, okay. Well, we excel celebrated our 50th anniversary last summer, and we oh, still haven't had that conversation. Congratulations. We've <laughs> Never had the real one. So, <laughs> so that's it. So I came back. Here I am, in it, knowing that I'm not my body, but in it. It's completely paralyzed and not functional. And uh, my vision, I couldn't see anything. It was sort of like looking through a kaleidoscope. But all of a sudden, I just chose to be with my body and let the body heal, not try to push it, just let it do its best. And every time I felt my body do something that's, that felt good in alignment, I would acknowledge it. And I would, and I would say, good job, Joel because my I'm not if you're not not my body you should it should have a name and our bodies names this time is whatever our name is so if I want to shift the pattern this is this is sort of a hot tip if I want to shift the pattern that I have rather than tr like lo to lose weight rather than telling the body to stop eating so much ask the body to eat well in a way that allows you to, the, your body to equal to reach the perfect equilibrium right weight that it feels comfortable in and every time any the body does anything that lets allows the weight to readjust to that vision of it acknowledge it by name so when i was walking i said good job joel so if i laura i'm going to look you right in the eye and you look at me and if i say good job in the back of your head, you're probably going, who's he talking to? Yeah, it's it's not as impactful, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and so if I say, good job, Laura. It's like a warm tingly, like I'm doing like awesome. <laughs> exactly, so it's, yeah. the, it's the hit of dopamine yeah. that people get when they click their phone to see if they get any emails. Uh, and the body, this is the joyous part of this whole discovery I had. The body will take those actions that you did just before you got your body got acknowledged by name again, unconsciously without focus, because it wants to get the hit of dopamine again. Mm -hmm. So if you want to shift new into new patterns of ourselves living in this world linguistically, acknowledge your body by name or other people, you know, other people especially if you're having a relationship in my book, we, I wrote a book called self as Laura said um, in the book, it talks about my daughter who just called um, about uh, her husband forgetting to send out the wedding invitations. 
and we she was in, lives in California. We were on the East Coast, and she called up one morning. She says, "Hey, Dad, what's that thing about horse whispering?" And, and I, because she can whisper horses, she's a magical woman around horses. Um, and I said, "Well, you know, when they do something right, acknowledge them by name, and you know, like that." And so she goes, "Oh yeah, I got it. Thank you very much." And then she calls the next day, and I said, "What's up?" And she goes, "Well." I came home, the invitations were mailed and the house was cleaned. And I said, good job, Jordan. <laughs> and it went on like that. And so they got married. They're still married and have great kids. So anyway, it's this whole thing about how we live in language. Thank you for listening to my story. But You're some so of the, some of the details that I learned is really, we do invent our world by the way we speak and the words we use mm -hmm. every second of our day. It's just something, it's just that powerful. And I think the the goal is, one of the goals is this, to sort of step back far enough from the from the day-to-day -day swirl and spin that we find ourselves living in mm -hmm. to become the observer of it from outside. It's almost like watching this this rugby game on the field and what one time at what some one time you're one of the people on the scrums getting squashed but if you take a breath and say well let me see and look down and you can watch yourself you can call tell you coach yourself to move differently than when you're in the field and i think life in the book we talk becoming a new observer is really a powerful shift because then you're not you're not run by other people's opinions and points of view as laura was saying when we were talking before there's a suggestion we say, well, isn't that interesting when someone is doing that and don't try to, don't get hooked into the drama. Oh, isn't that interesting? And then the second part of that is, it, uh, it, I usually say is, well, say more about that. And so they will say what they, and say more rather than tell me more. If you ask someone to, this is all the magic and the invisible world of language. If you ask someone to tell you more, you know what they'll do? They'll tell you more and then they'll tell you more. Now that I'm thinking about, you know, I thought, you know, I thought about this and then tell me more. It's like that. So if you say, say more, it shifts them sort of outside the swirl of it all. And they, what they say is what they want you to know. That's and so interesting. I've never heard that before. It's funny. Cause I like whenever, and whenever I'm such a visual person. So when people talk about things, like I literally can like energetically see things like in my like mind, like, I don't know, it's weird, but when you say tell more, it's literally like a closure. And yes. then when you say, say more, it, like I could literally like feel that in my body as you're saying that. And for everybody listening, like when you, um, like even how Joel was saying about your name, like when you say that, I want you to like, just like practice that, like do it and then see how your body feels. Cause it's not until we actually experience things ourselves and we start believing more about all of these things um, um, that he's sharing and, and you can start connecting all of these dots, but you've literally just shared so much brilliance all in this little bit that we've had so far. Um, thank you for sharing your story. You're I can't welcome. even, I can't even imagine like going through that experience and going to the other side and having all that stuff. And I love how you said, um, I don't know. I don't know if it was just good drugs or if it was like the real thing, but does it really matter? Nope. <laughs> it was just like a mind expanding experience. And um, I know in your book, um, actually to go back. So the three things that you shared, do you want to, uh, do you want to repeat those um, three, three things? Like the yeah, three the lessons. First, the first one is uh, humans were put on the planet because it's paradise. Yes. And that, and, uh, 
second one was everything you'll ever need is everywhere always, mm-hmm. which uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And then the third one is ask and see how it's given, not ask and it's given. Because there's a lot of times we ask for things that doesn't support us in forwarding our who we can, our contribution to others. Right. But it would look cool driving around the Ferrari, but it doesn't do anything for other people that don't like Ferraris. Yeah. So the interesting thing about is ask and see how it's given. Or no, excuse me. Everything you'll ever need is everywhere always. Um, I was renting, I rented a car in Denver. And I was, and I put my phone in the console between and I closed it and then it was stuck shut and I couldn't get it open. And it was a brand new rental, maybe that had 10, 20, 30 miles on it. And I was pounding on the thing. And then I, I asked the others, I asked the bean side of life, let me see what I need to get this open. And then I wait until it says what it says. And so this one says, the voice said, um, look in the back seat. So here I am at a stoplight and look over and on the floor is a bobby pin. Now, that anybody has a bobby pin is a miracle. But then I took the bobby (laughs) pin and I put it on the thing and it goes, pink and opens right up. Wow. So I think life is full of them. The other day I was, a a pine tree had dripped sap in my car and I wanted to get it off. And I had one of those goof off cans of stuff that takes everything off. But the, the, the little nozzle that you have to get open was stuck down and I couldn't get it with my my fingers and I said let me see and then I reached in my pocket and I had a guitar pick wow. <laughs> and I took the guitar pick and it opens it up perfectly so I invite you to start doing that and listen to what it says and if it doesn't say anything then do what you you think is the right thing to do mm-hmm. but start to ask and let me see it you'll be surprised mm-hmm. and um if you guys want to write down those those three things and just like in, in the book too, it shares it and I'll share more about the book and stuff at the end and how you can get it. But like, I started reading this book and it's just like, absolutely incredible. Um, I know in the book too, Joel. So one of the big things that for me, because I know I shared this with you um, before the podcast, before we started recording was that I never really even like started expanding my mind or knowing there was anything outside of my own personal reality until I had an experience where I got into network marketing and it completely expanded my mind to be able to see a whole new way of being. And for some people, when you've only seen that one way of being your whole entire life, like in your book, I know you um, explain about like the kind of like having that blank slate when you're a child and you're born. Would you mind kind of explaining that? Because I, I found for me personally, when I read that in your book, I was like, wow, that like really explained basically the whole conditioning in which we have and then how our thoughts and our internal dialogue is kind of created and then how we can then begin to shift that internal dialogue so we can start changing our way of being from the inside out. Because I know there's so many people that may be listening to this that may feel stuck within their inner dialogue and that inner voice within their head and unsure how to start actually moving to get out of it. And I know for me personally, I found that education is absolutely huge in understanding why our minds and our body, that kind of connection, like you said, how we are actually this consciousness inside of this body and being able to see the body and build that relationship with our body again in a way that makes us feel good and in a way that allows us to be able to um, start living a life that's more aligned with who we are. 
Absolutely. Um, I just have a question. Is that where how we got here linguistically, you want me to say? Um, what do you mean? Well, yeah, now part of the book. I mean, the book is all about how we got here linguistically, but um, I call it the perfect storm of living in language that, um, you know, all of a sudden I, I do this conversation with people about how we got here linguistically and I call it a riff, R-I-F-F, like a musical riff. Because uh, when a song is written, it's got everything ready for it. And then the band opens up and they, they get in the middle of the song and somebody says, hey, Joel, play a riff. And then all of a sudden I play the riff. And the next time the song is played, the riff is part of the song. So I suggest that life is a series of unexpected conversations that fall into a rhythm and as we look, if we look over our shoulder, it looks like life and how we got here. Mm -hmm. So the rift has three components, the perfect storm of living in language. The first one is how we were born after riding around for nine months in this amazing vehicle. I mean, I'm so honored to even have the gift to be able to do that. I think it's, I, I am clear that women are the power that has this earth be the way and the beauty of it is. Us guys, Hatches and chop and campouts. We really have fun, but not this grandeur that women are. I love women. I, we we had a bunch of uh, haircutting salons at one part in, part in my life, and we had uh, 172 women on um, on the payroll uh, working with us that I was working for, and it was just an honor to do that. It was famously successful. But anyway, it's um, so the woman after nine months of that, all of a sudden, sort of a tight passage to some degree or not, we come out. And uh, the first thing we noticed is that uh, we're cold because if you do it in a hospital operating room, 67 degrees, they wrap a little sheet around you and put you on a stainless steel table and say, isn't Laura the cutest little thing you've ever seen? And she probably was, but they say it anyway. And Laura's in there going, I'm shivering. It's like, I'm freezing to death. This is crazy. And then, then you hear this inner, inner voice. And I don't know if it's language, but some connection between our outside world now and the internal world that we were living in for nine months. And the little boy says, cry, and they'll put a, more blankets around you. So what do we do? Cry. And what did they do? They put blankets around you. And then you feel all of a sudden you say, I am starving. And the little voice says, cry. And they'll put something in your mouth and you cry. So right from the beginning of our awareness, we have this internal voice that tells us what to do and it saves our life every time. So we trust this voice uh, all the time. Well, one day um, it, you ask it to what to do and it tells you to do it, but it doesn't work. And you tried it again and it doesn't work. And you try it again, it doesn't work. And you will go back and say, wait a second. You said, do, do this. And the little voice goes, oh, no, no, no. I meant to do that. And all of a sudden uh, you do that and the trust is recovered. But the little voice is, I, and I think this is a useful concept. The internal voice is uh, using an internal system to fix the system and to live by with the same system. It can't see outside. It's just a voice in our head. So if we start to hear that, then you don't make it wrong when it says, well, do this and don't do that if you lose the trust. So that's the first part, the internal voice, losing trust for that, because we listen to what it says and then we 50-50 chance it's gonna work or not, instead of 100. Second part is the role the physical body plays that Laura and I could go forever on. Um, it's just 
a gift, the more uh, comfort the body is in, the more possibilities there are to live life. The more tense it gets and the more anger or frustration it gets in it, the field of view for possibilities goes way down. Uh, so that is something to be aware of. The body, that what causes the body fear of its loss of being able to seek comfort because the body's addiction is to seek comfort always, not sometimes, but always. Mm -hmm. And it will actually take you away, physically take you away and say, what am I doing in the lavatory? Well, the body thinks you ought to get out of that room, Joel. So it's that whole relationship. And in the book, it's a little clearer than this. And then, um, then the third part is the stories we have, the assessments that we live in. And the assessments aren't the truth. We think they are, but they're just stories we made up that made sense of them in the past. And we still use them as if they are real. That's the perfect storm of living language, inner voice, body, and the stories we've told. People consider themselves to be that. And I suggest we're not that. We're part of us, but it's not who we are. And I suggest that if you draw a circle around that and then step outside that circle and look into that diagram, there's a chance that it's a different uh, choice of being able to see that you now have to not control, but you now have an engagement with that little voice that allows you to design your life moment by moment. You don't have to be in the right, wrong, good, bad. Why did they do this? Why all of that? You can actually be out. Isn't that interesting? Say more and then take the actions. Let me see. All three of those things are magical to become the author of your life. Beautiful. There you go. Wow. I got it. <laughs> so good. Yeah, no, it's incredible because like, I find like when you can understand that cycle, um, it really helps to be able to understand kind of the whole way of being right. And that's the whole thing that you do, but it's like when we were born, we started building this trust, right? Our inner world starts asking for things. We cry and then our parents give it to us. But like you said, when that stop stops happening, we cry and then nobody comes to get us. Then it like starts building another story. And then as we live through life, we're living through these stories. So one of the huge things that was kind of a big revelation for me was understanding that a lot of the stories that I'm living in today were actually formulated when I was a child. So being able to go back and heal those, the, the emotional responses within the dialogue and within the response my body had um, back in that time when that initial situation happened you can heal it. And then now moving forward, you can go through that story without that same emotional response. And then your body feels more free. And through doing that kind of cycle, you start then transforming all of your interactions within your, your daily life in the present moment, which is completely transforming your future moving forward. Yeah, it's, it, it is exactly what you said. That's great. Capitalization of it. It is, it is in the, you know, then I think we mentioned it before we started this. Where do these stories come from? Well, they come from generations before, you know, like, you know, grandma's grandma, grandma used to say this about this moment. And then all of a sudden, well, and oh, we, we love grandma. Well, that's a sorry tag down onto your awareness of what you think you should be to be happy for grandma. And I'm not I'm not saying to forget those stuff but see them that they're just stories that we can live in and we can shift the stories around um assessments if i if there's three mysteries in the world 
air to the bird, water to the fish, and um, being to humans. Because, you know, we came as human beings because all we could do is be way back. And then we built this whole thing about if you do this, you'll be happier. Uh, Maybe, but not really. Mm -hmm. And then um, like that. And so uh, it's interesting that um, uh, human beings have the ability to use the words to design their life. So in the assessment, if you've been living in an assessment that you think is true, but actually, no, it doesn't, it, it is not true. You can redesign that assessment that takes that chunk of your life out. Yeah, I use this example and I'll do a quick one. Susie Jones is gonna do a dance recital after church on Sunday and Friday night or Saturday night, her mom came in and gave her a pair of red, red patent leather shoes. And she said, Susie, you know, if you wear these shoes, you'll do really good. So Susie goes out and all the aunts and uncles are there and she can dance and they all come backstage after the dance is over. And uh, they all said, well, you did really good, honey. We loved your shoes. So what does Susie have to have on to feel good? Her shoes. Red patent leather shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, Susie's now 42, still trying to put on those size five patent leather shoes. The point is, the assessments were only made in the moment that made a difference, but yet we find ourselves using them still to try to do better. We, I would suggest, and we'll talk about it on the course we're going to be doing, um, about the role assessments play, and that as Laura and I talked a little bit ago, and she just said, um, like 95% of them are probably not accurate interpretations but it sort of made sense in the moment. So if I asked the bird, if I asked the um, fish, uh, how's the water? The fish would say, what? What water? I said, the water, you're in, no, no, there's no water in here, it's fine. This is the same as the assessment, right? And so I get the fish by the tail and the fish, I have a really good fish because it can talk. I said, (laughs) see, this is air out here and that's water. And, And you put the fish back in the water. What does it now have about the water? A ton of new assessments. Mm. <laughs> you know, hey, Joel, take me off the windowsill. It's cold outside. My water's a little cold. And, and Joel, listen, there's too much dirt. So, so when once we start to pull ourselves out of the assessments or become the observer of our assessments outside the swirl of life, all of a sudden we get to choose and we can shift the assessments around. It's not lying or it's not positive thinking. It's actually inventing a new description that allows your being to lead you through the answer instead of the task. Mm, beautiful. And yeah. I know that you mentioned your course and you have your course coming up. It's actually starting next week, but guys, there are still time. I'm actually going through this course as well because I am just so excited for it. Because when you can start, like Joel said, shifting that awareness in your perspective, you start seeing the world as a completely different place and you start seeing completely new possibilities for yourself and what you're able to do in this lifetime. And it, it becomes like a, a playful creative game of like, what do I wanna do, right? It's like, anything is truly possible. And I love your energy and just like your vibrance and the way that you share your stories and stuff too. It just like excites me so much because I know I've got like that part in me too. And I know you have this too, where it's like, I'm never growing up. I'm always gonna be having fun and playing on this like beautiful <laughs> playground of earth, you know? <laughs> and it's like the whole like adulting, well, like- yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say like where they say like adulting and it's like, you're no longer allowed to do that. It's like, no, no we no, can no. use to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a place of yeah. paradise. 
this is paradise. You know, this is paradise. Um, I promise. I, this is paradise. I, I, yeah. And if we lived this as paradise, how would it look for us? Mm. And what, po- what possibilities out of this conversation do you see is new for you? And, you know, th- there's one thing, if you want to shift, we say, don't make what you want to do wrong, make what you want to do right. Instead of losing weight, stop eating, eat the right things so that yes. your body, and, and I do it, I, um, on the course, we're going to do a whole thing about to write half what you like to have happen lists, what lives on the being side rather than what to do lists, because they're both very important. You have to have to do lists to do it. But what would you like to have happen as a result of doing that? It shifts the game. You become the author again of your life. Um, let me just see anything else, Laura. I was just looking. I talked a lot, and I love you guys, and I thank you for listening. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, if anybody wants to learn more about Joel, we could literally have this conversation for days, I think, about talking about human beings. And I always find it fascinating. One of the things that we know least about is our own beingness. And so if you are somebody who wants to learn more from Joel, like he is just on a mission to be able to give back all of his wisdom and knowledge. So there's a few um, ways that you can kind of learn from him. If you resonated with any of the stories that he shared, you love his energy and you want to just learn from him. Um, So I will share his book because I am only like, I think I'm on chapter five or six and I have just completely resonated with it so much. And there's questions in there to get your mind thinking on new ways and exercises after every chapter. So you can definitely go purchase his book and I'll put the link um, in the description of this episode as well. And then Joel also has his course coming up on Thursday, which is absolutely going to, if you're somebody who is wanting to completely shift your entire reality, right? Joel, maybe you want to just share a quick, like little minute or two, because we only have a few minutes left here on the podcast, but um, if you want to just give like a little brief, who would this be for and what would people get out of it with this course? Uh, I think you said it, it's for anyone. You know, I, I work with hugely successful executive teams doing this work, which is they all say, well, you're crazy. And then all of a sudden their results take off and their relationship as a team explode, expands into magic. But I think anybody that can do it, I promise you that you will have a new interpretation of what it is to be human and how and you will see new ways in yourself because we very rarely tell you to do stuff we ask you well what would it look like if that could fall into place and vision questions rather than to do's and i really do invite you i i've done this work for a long long time and it always astounds me to the depth in which people are committed to discovering the true being of themselves and the soul voice that they live in and this is really an avenue for that. And it'll be a lot like this phone, like this webinar here. I mean, excuse me, this podcast with uh, Laura. It's I'm in service to your success. And this is not about Joel. This is about you finding you and the soul that you can find yourself being that will allow you to live a magical life. I love you guys. Thank you. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Joel, for being on here. And thank you for just saying yes to coming back first of all because <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it, it's sometimes it can feel a little bit hard here on earth like when you said you came back into your body and you're like just kind of like oh man 
this is what I have to deal with here. <laughs> but it is, it's such a beautiful journey. And there's so much stuff that we can learn from all of these experiences. And everything in our life is truly happening for a reason, even if we can't see it in the now moment. And as we continue to link arms with other people that are on this similar journey as well, I know that's really helped me and impacted my life and just asking myself different questions. So there's definitely a lot of value that Joel can provide to that. So if you do um, find value in this episode or you want to connect with Joel, um, Joel, how can people get a hold of you and connect with you? Uh, just Joel at Kimmel, K-I-M-M-E-L-A-N-D company dot com okay. they can do that or joel at mac.com okay um kimball and company i definitely get all that stuff so that'll be good and please join us uh, it's called um, the art of being becoming a leader uh in your world which would be is really fun you already are it's just, it, you already are the leader you just have been you've been looking at the other place <laughs> yeah yeah so shifting <laughs> shifting that perspective and shifting that focus um, so I'll put all of that down in the comments in the description below. So you can check all that stuff out. If you ever have any questions or anything, feel free to reach out to both Joel and I. But thank you so much for taking your time out of your day today, Joel, to just share all of your wisdom and your personality and your energy and your vibrance and just everything about you is just absolutely incredible. And I just love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Back at you. I do love you very much. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for everybody that was listening today. And um, we will see you guys on the next episode. We love you all so much. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.